This is episode number 197, The Power of Language, with Edward Bodenheimer. Welcome, my name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Hats podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your false potential. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to make a few quick announcements. The first one being an ask of all of our listeners or first timers who are choosing to tune into this particular show, and that is if you have enjoyed any of the previous episodes or the one that you're listening to right now, please consider donating one to five to maybe even $10 in order to support the production of this particular podcast, as well as the curation of all the stories that we're able to gather through the Overcoming Odds platform. The second announcement that I would like to make is an invitation to all of our listeners to our upcoming call called Courageous Conversation. This was a space that we started approximately six to eight months ago with the intention of bringing our community even closer, as well as creating a space for each and every single one of us to be able to not only better understand ourselves, but also those surrounding us. One last thing, if you have enjoyed any of the previous episodes, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can listen to these courageous and inspiring conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. Bodhi, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. And I guess we also got to thank simultaneously Joe for uh, <laughs> introducing awesome. the two of us. He's He truly is. Him and I connected a couple months ago by now. And it from the first conversation, it just felt, I can't even put it to you into words what it felt, but it felt like I had known him a long time. And there was also like a, almost like an instantaneous friendship that was mm-hmm. built from that first minute. And I don't know, I, I've kind of given up on trying to figure out like, what is it and try and pinpoint the origin because it's so difficult to articulate the origin of anything in life, in my opinion. So I, for me, I just chose to accept it for what it was and just kept moving forward. Yeah, he, uh, he came to our schoolhouse when I was uh, an instructor and he was one of our senior advisors. And most of the senior advisors would come through and it felt like on this level and we were like right here, but for whatever reason, he just was relatable, relatable with each and every one of us. And he really took me under his wing and, and has just mentored me and helped build me into, to who I am today. So I owe a lot to, to Joe Bogdan for, for all he's done. He's, he's a remarkable person. Mm-hmm. I know the topic that you and I wanted to discuss what revolved around this concept of the negative voice that I think many of us experience. And I think the best way to maybe start off this conversation is with the following. What do you think of when you hear the following? The problem is you. Mm. The problem is you. I think a lot of times when I hear that, I've been a victim of that where someone has told me that, you know, problem, or I've been on the other side of that telling someone that exact same thing. And I think 
more times than not, it's us wanting someone to adapt to us. We want someone to adapt and be uh, more like us or make us more comfortable where we are. Uh, when in reality, we just have to understand that people are different. People do things different ways. They, they don't mean anything by it a certain way. Uh, but it's just we have to get a better understanding of others around us. And I, like I said, I've been guilty of that in the past of saying, oh, well, some, they need to change. They need mm -hmm. to fix that. Um, but it, it took that maturity for me to really see that sometimes I am the problem and it's not that individual. Mm -hmm. And that's where I wonder if many of the, in my opinion, negative experiences come from is just ultimately looking at myself and the image that I have of myself. I've experienced the same exact thing. So one of the latest things that I've encountered <laughs> along my awareness journey, so to speak, is becoming more conscious of the language. Yes. And in particular, when I speak on behalf of someone else's experience, when in reality, A, I have no idea what they're actually feeling or B, what they actually need. And so I find it now that there's a lot of tension when I hear the concepts of we need to do this or we must do that or we should do this. When in reality, as I mentioned, it's like, who is to say that we need to do that when I might be in a completely different chapter of my life when it yeah. comes to that concept? But so in that moment, here's what I'm learning is that I remember I would sit back and look at it as far as, man, I can't believe this person is blah, blah, blah. But then I just had to realize that, you know, is it possible that by using we, this person is able to convey the point that they're trying to do? And is it possible that the only reason why I'm experiencing this tension is not necessarily with that individual or the language that they're using? but more so internally, mm -hmm. what internally is not sitting in sitting well with me and what can I work on? And so that's where this concept of the problem is you really evolved and helped me understand that maybe at the end of the day, the problem is truly me based on the way that I perceive reality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a really good way of looking at things. And I, um, it's funny you say this because you and I haven't talked about it, but I, I teach a, a, a class right now called uh, Five Voices. And it's something that's hosted by Giant Worldwide. And it's really good because it shows you what it's like to be on the opposite side of a conversation with yourself. And I love going through it with, with people because I did it for a group of like, I think it was like 80 the other day. And I would say something and some of them would just cringe. And I was like, well, I, I just noticed your face right there. And they're like, I do that. I, I speak on behalf of the team, use us or we, and that is my exact thought right there. But I bring it back to my team and my team doesn't necessarily see things eye to eye with me, or they're like, I didn't necessarily feel that exact same way that you just described. Um, but yeah, it's pretty interesting you say that because some of the stuff that, uh, that we've been teaching recently. What are the five voices? So are there's three that are emotionally based where our thoughts, feelings, beliefs are based off of emotions majority of the time. And it's the nurturer and the nurturer is um, if someone's bringing up something, they're the one that is automatically going to go to what you said, where it's like, hmm, I think we're going to like that. They're, they're going to love that. You think uh, for the team, but someone can say something very, uh, to you that that to them 
had no harm, no foul behind it where I could say like, Oh, you know, um, you, just, you, you got to do better than that. And then I walk off and I'm done with it. But to you as a nurturer, you're like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I just disappointed him. And it really bothers you internally, but a nurturer is never going to confront someone and say, Hey, Bodie, what you said to me really set me off. You may keep it inside for days, weeks, months, years. And internally you feel one way about me, but you're never going to come out and tell me honestly how you truly feel. And, we, and that's danger because we may work together for four or five years. Mm-hmm. Um, the creative is like that internal perfectionist. They're mm. also emotionally driven. If they come up, they have a tough time articulating. And I hear this a lot. They have a tough time articulating something. They're, they can see it in their head. They can envision it but I have a tough time putting it into words. Now you may come in and uh, clean it up a little bit and say, you got a great idea. And when you do that, I get a little upset because that's exactly what I was thinking, but now you're getting the credit for it. Mm-hmm. So they have kind of those internal perfectionist tendencies. And then the third emotional based voice is the connector. And that's a lot of what you and I are doing right now, reaching out, connecting with people, um, you know, very persuasive with how we talk, uh, can send a clear message to people, got a little bit of that charisma in us, but that can rub people the wrong way at times because they're like, it's too too much, too over the top. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's two voices that tend to clash with those a lot of times, and that is the uh, guardian, which is a very inquisitive, very, you know, why are we doing this? What about this? It sounds like they're interrogating you, but in reality, it's trying to answer all the questions in their head so that they can actually buy in and don't have anxiety. And then the final one is the pioneer and they are totally task work driven, not focused on emotions whatsoever. And with the pioneer, they are, it's my way or the highway. I'm right. And, um, I, I either have, um, you know, status here, this company here the longest um i have the position therefore that you know more times than not that that deems this is the correct decision correct action we're going to move forward that can really impact some of those emotionally driven voices mm-hmm. so in that case when you have five different ways of communicating how do you personally approach that do you personally try and embody all five or work on them as much as you can or do you kind of go with the mindset of uh, double down on your strengths rather than your weaknesses and just find that one and, and excel at it as much as you can? So it's, it's uh, from the reading I got based off of it and then from interacting with people, you're naturally going to go to two of the five voices. They're naturally going to be your strength and you do it subconsciously. Like you don't even think about it and you go throughout your day uh, it's like writing. I have an exercise in there where I have everybody write with their dominant hand uh-huh. and then I have them write with their non-dominant hand. Huh. And I'm like, how'd you feel with your non-dominant hand? They're like, I hated it. I'm like, imagine if you did that all day. Oh, I'd be stressed out. I'm like, okay, that's what happens when you speak from one of those three voices that you're not strong in. You hate mm. it. You're stressed out. You're tough to be around and think of situations in your life where you've been there. You're hard to deal with. And um, so it's good to be aware of all five, because a lot of times we see someone across from us that we don't see eye to eye with. And we're like, oh, I hate that person. I hate that type of person. 
-hmm. But in reality, you're a little bit of them and you've got to figure it out. So it gives you more of an insight to on inside their head to where you can connect with them a little bit better. So you, you have to have all five on your team. And um, yeah, it shows you just because you don't necessarily agree with this person doesn't mean that they're wrong. You just, you may have to see it from a different point of view. And that's, it kind of makes you self-aware. What triggered you to learn more about these different voices that you have? That's a good question. It was about maybe three years ago when I was instructing. And before I'd start teaching or I'd start, uh, I started teaching at Airman Leadership School, I was never really um, receptive to feedback. I would, I would get feedback, which I think is a, it's something a lot of people struggle with. And, you know, I would say like, oh, I want honest, accurate feedback. And they give it to me. And then what is our natural tendency for us to do? We're like, well, okay, you said that we, we start to justify it. Mm-hmm. So I was really at this point in my life where I was getting feedback from my students, I was getting feedback from my peers. And I was learning to, uh, to a little bit more. I don't know what triggered it, but it's uh, a more reading. And, uh, you know, I, I was reading a lot of these books that would really help me out with self-awareness and looking in the mirror and, and realizing you have to change sometimes. And I went to the training for that course and it was so much to unpack. We sat there for a week and uh, they, they would just went really, really, really deep really deep into everything. And Mm -hmm. we all left and we're like, my gosh, how in the world are we going to reteach this? So I bought the book (laughs) and it it was so much. I bought the book and uh, sat down and actually started to read it. And I noticed that my wife was a guardian and I am naturally a connector. And those two can kind of clash because they're a little bit different. One is very, uh, you know, can be a little introverted, can be a little inquisitive. The other one is very uh, extroverted very uh, outgoing, just wants you to buy into something they're excited about. So it actually helped her and I uh, in our marriage by by reading up on that. And then when I saw that it started doing wonders for us, I started just getting more into, wow, this can help with my marriage. It can help with uh, relationships in my life and friendships in my life. And I think that's kind of what triggered it. Mm -hmm. In that case, so there there are two thoughts that come to mind that are... um that I'm very interested by in the situation where you know what you know, mm-hmm. right? You knew what, what changed your own life. Sounds like elements of your relationship in your marriage. I get curious about, okay, the next point, because the next point for me, I remember first time where I had had this moment of enlightenment, like I figured out what worked for me and I'm like, okay, I want the whole world to know about it and subscribe yeah. to it and do this. But the reality of the matter is this, at least this is what my experience has taught me. Not everyone's want, not everyone wants what you want. So in that case, how do you introduce a concept like that, like what you're doing to mm-hmm. other people in a way that invites them instead of makes them say, hey, if you're not doing this, good luck with the rest of your life type of thing. Yeah, it's, it's funny you say that because my wife, I remember reading it and I was like, this is good stuff. And I would start telling her about it. And she was like, okay, thank you. <laughs> she, she wasn't hearing me. She's like, that's, that's great. So what I did was I had to kind of lure her into it. And I said, you know, I'm about to teach this. I built these slides. I built this lesson. I said, I want you to, um, 
sit through it. And she was very reluctant. She was like, okay. And she sat through it. And when she started hearing everything, she's like, oh my God, that is you. Or, oh my gosh, me, what you're just describing. And at her seeing it, she was a little bit more open to it. Now with the military, or I do it for a lot of civilians as well. Um, it, it's never like a uh, forced feed, like here, you've got to take this training. Yeah. It's more of a, um, I threw it out there in March on the, the quarantine page on Facebook. I said, hey, I'm offering this training to help teams, to help you in your personal life, to help you as a leader, to help you discover your leadership voice. And uh, you would be surprised how many people messaged me that first day. Mm-hmm. And I, I had over, and this is Air Force wide, over 120 messages sent directly to me to, to where it was totally overwhelming. And they were like, we want to go out and do this for our team. So people are actually hungry for it. But I do have those that take it during courses. And they're, they're like, they're just not ready for it at that time. They're not mm-hmm. open to it. They're not ready for it. Um, but I always try to focus on the ones that are the ones mm-hmm. that are going to take it and be able to improve. And um, yeah. What'd you learn about yourself through that experience? When, when you were, did you ever experience that thought of, Oh, what are others going to think? Should I put it out later? You know, the kind of prolonging it until the tomorrow comes when tomorrow, it, it's just a never ending story. You know, yeah. I, I make a joke that uh, Nike, instead of saying, just do it, it, it should be more realistic. And that's just do it that, that, that tomorrow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think that's a more realistic approach to how many of us experience life. But in that moment, what did you learn about yourself when you just chose to put it out there and then you were able to receive so much feedback within sounds like just moments of releasing it. I learned about three or four years ago and someone had just said this in passing and I thought it was a, you know, remarkable quote, but it's so simple. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. Hmm. And I remember we had had a, uh, a meeting with our, our cadre at the schoolhouse. And this was, you know, March 11th, we were told not to teach on or not teach in residence anymore. We were going to be possibly move into virtual and because of COVID. And I was like, gosh, if we're going to be teaching, I need to still do something because I can't just sit at home and play video games all day. Yeah. So I've got this new course. I think I can throw it out there to people. But I was, I was like, I, I don't know if I can go on Facebook and just throw it out there to everybody. I. I may get backlash. I may get people like, oh, no, you don't want to. But I was just, I said, you know what? As soon as this meeting's over with, I'm going to post something and see what happens. And yeah. I just did it. I just did it. And um, I actually had a second course that I just started where um, I started promoting that to people as well. But I think with the the positive reactions, it kind of, it's those dopamines. You get it. And it's like, wow, people want this. Wow, people are recommending this to other people. Uh, and it feels good. And then the next time something happens, you're um, more inclined to go ahead and just share it because you know uh, that it's actually, you know, spreading some goodness out to people. What's the most challenging part in your experience of taking action? Mm, Getting out of my own way, just getting out of my own head. I I think a lot of times we're, we're so worried about what someone else is going to say, what someone else is going to think. Um, you know, stuff that we just can't control. But in reality, I mean, 
I had to kind of tell myself, I'm living my life, mm-hmm. I'm living my life. When I am, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, 85 years old, laying in a hospital somewhere, uh, what I did, if I, if I can look back and say, you know what, I helped other people, I did good stuff for other people. That's a good life, as opposed to, oh, you know, I should have done this, I should have done that. Um, but other people at the time weren't going to be approve of it or weren't going to like it, I'm assuming. That's, I didn't want to have that. So um, I think the biggest challenge was just getting out of my head because five years ago, I never would have posted it. And it's funny because the guy that does my uh, podcast with me and I'll, I'll air his laundry and he knows I say that, <laughs> but he's one of those where, uh, you know, I'm like, Hey, throw the, promote the podcast, do this for the podcast. He's like, mm, I'm just not comfortable yet. I'm not comfortable doing it. And I'm like, man, you got to get out of your head. You are stopping yourself. Nobody else is stopping you. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of coaching him up on that, that right now. Hopefully by the time this releases, he'll be over it. <laughs> if not, we'll make sure to send him a direct link with this. Exactly. <laughs> no, but it, it's funny that you mentioned that because this morning as I was um, working out, I had this thought and this concept that I've heard a couple of times by now. And that is <laughs> um, oftentimes when I started to do different things or take action in my life, the thought that I heard was um, you have to do things that other people's aren't, other people aren't willing to do. Well, here is the realization that I had this morning. And it is a, I don't truly know what other people aren't willing to do. And I think instead of me looking at it through that lens, I started to reframe it and look at it through the lens of what was I not willing to do? And what can I do now? Cause that's, that's, that's the thing that I think made a big difference in my life is choosing to take individual ownership and responsibility over many of these decisions. And it doesn't matter what other people are or aren't willing to do. It, I think, in my opinion, it matters what am I not willing to do or willing to do. And I think in that case, as you mentioned, getting out of your own way and just stepping into it and telling yourself that, hey, whatever I receive from here, it's feedback. Yeah. That's it. I can learn from it. I can grow from it. I mean, there's a lot, le- I believe there's a lesson behind every experience. Yeah. And there is, there's a lesson behind every single thing. And ultimately, you know, you can make the argument. Uh, I had this conversation with someone not too long ago. Any decision you've made in your life, you have made the decision. Yeah. Whether somebody has told you to, whether has someone has twisted your arm, ultimately you make that decision. Yeah. So every decision you make in life is your own. And um, I, there was a point, where I was living my life. I love my mom to death. I love her. I love her. But I was living life based off how she wanted me to live. Mm. I was trying to go to the school she wanted me to go to. And I was, you know, going for a degree she thought would be, and it just, I wasn't happy with it and had to start making my own decisions because it's my life. But I also know that those decisions now impact my daughters, my wife, um, so I have to take that into account when when making these decisions. But um, yeah, it it really it it's going to impact other people. But ultimately, yeah, it's it's yours to make. How do you process that? How do you process those circumstances where someone else wants you to live a particular life, but you also understand that the choices that you make are completely based on your own thoughts and intentions? I mean, do you, what do you what do you personally do? Do you acknowledge that? How do you respect? a space like that, if you respect it at all. Yeah. 
I take it into account. I definitely take it into account. But at the end of the night, when I go to bed and close my eyes, if I'm not sleeping good because of a decision I'm someone else wanted me to do, uh, it's tough. But um, that's why I think it's also good to have a good support system, have good people around you to where when when decisions like that do come up, where it's almost like a uh, personal versus professional values or, or someone else's personal values differ from yours. Uh, to kind of ping that off someone else. Um, but, it, but it is hard because it's a lot easier said than done too because there's a lot of situations where people in a work center, you have someone over you mm-hmm. and they tell you you need to do something, but you may not necessarily agree with it. Um, trust me, marriage. I've, I've spent uh. 13 years making decisions at times that I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. But <laughs> you know, it'll almost compromise, but um, still married. So it worked, but uh but no, it's, I think ultimately it's, can you close your eyes at night and go to sleep feeling comfortable with the decisions you made? And uh, it's, it's hard and hindsight is beautiful because you can look back and see like everything you made mistakes with and what you did wrong. And there's been so many times where I look back at situations where I was most stressed and it was basically because I was doing stuff for other people, doing mm-hmm. things that you know, other people wanted me to do, or they were tasking me to do that I didn't necessarily agree with. Um, and that was some of the most stressful moments I've had. Do you look at people differently as far as when it comes to receiving feedback and advice from like, do, do you have a different level with your loved ones compared to complete strangers or people like myself who you've met for the first time? Um, that's a good, that's a really good question. Um, it's funny because like my, I think there's levels kind of what you said. I, I like my wife can give me feedback. My wife can say something to me mm-hmm. and I don't know what it is, but anybody else can tell me the exact same thing. And it, it hits so much harder than her. Like she can mm-hmm. say, you know, that wasn't a very good podcast you did. And it, I can hear that from anyone else. And I'm like, okay, I mean, that's, that's their, that's their feedback. But I hear <laughs> it from her and I'm like, Oh, Wow that stings. Um, but it's because I love her and, and value her opinion. I know she's the truth. Um, my, my group that I work with, my cadre, they can give me feedback and I, and I pretty much accept it. I think the thing that really uh, makes it hard for me to internalize feedback is when someone else is um, not as responsive to it. Like if you mm. tell them something, it, basically character. Um, you know, if someone, um, if you feel like their intentions aren't, aren't well, it, it's really hard to, to take feedback from people. Um, but I, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. I really do. But once, and this is something I know still to this day, I got to get better at is that, um, if I feel like I don't have that trust, then I, I, I almost brush off that feedback. I know I shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Do you think a good portion of that trust gets developed based on the voices that mm. you subscribe to? Yeah, definitely understanding them. Uh, there, there was someone I worked with at uh, or a previous career to where if I would have heard those voices a little bit better, I think it, I could have done more to better that relationship as well. Mm. Um, as, as it stands right now, neither one of us did anything to really benefit it. We were just like, look, we're put on earth to not get along plain and simple. But I feel like if, uh, and the thing was, we went through the training, both of us, 
but at the time we we didn't look into it and and put enough stock into what we're hearing but uh yeah I, I think definitely trust feedback from that individual could have been better if uh, we were able to have have recognized those voices a little bit more because our voices are on opposite ends of the spectrum. What he was strong in, I was weaker in and vice versa. Is there a desire to change that relationship? That relationship could improve if, uh, and honestly, I've just been guilty of day to day, knocking stuff out, having a busy schedule. Uh, but I mean, I've still kept in contact with that person even since I've left and, um, sent some emails back and forth. I mean, we're, we're cordial with each other. It's just, um, I don't think we would ever, you know, go watch a ball game together and, and just hang out. Um, but yeah, it could definitely, definitely be improved, especially I think now that I've had time to, like I said, hindsight, look back and realize that that individual wasn't the, the only one that was at fault in that relationship. There was a lot of things that, that I did wrong too. Your way straight. Yeah. Yeah. Bodie, what's the best way that people can connect with you, learn more about your work, connect with your guys' podcast? Yeah. So uh, you can find me on, I'm kind of confusing with my social media. I keep it, prof <laughs> I keep it professional on LinkedIn. So I go with Edward Bodenheimer. Um, but also um, I'm on Facebook, on Instagram. Um, I think it's Bodie, HI82 on Instagram. Um, and then also, uh, if you're interested in, in five voices, that's that's one of the, the trainings that I do. You could always um, send me a message. I'm always posting on LinkedIn different times I'm teaching it. I'm about to teach it to some people in Korea coming up next week. So I'm super excited for that. Some of the troops over there. But um, also, uh, yeah, we got a podcast, which is uh, The Shadows Podcast, which we got you coming on there pretty soon. I'm super excited about that. Um, our concept is basically we just everyone has a story and we mm -hmm. learn from it and we're all at this point in our lives based off our experiences. So, uh, it's a forum for people to share that. And we, we are on Facebook, uh, at the shadows podcast, and then on Instagram, the underscore shadows underscore podcast. Thank you all for choosing to tune in to this particular episode. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we'll look forward to having you next week.